Let's um, open up our Bibles. Um, does everybody have a Bible with them? If you do not, raise your hand. Landon will bring one to you. And when you get that, open to Philippians chapter 2. If you're not sure where Philippians is, I'm sure if you ask the person next to you, they would love to help you find it. Philippians. Philippians chapter 2. No, not, no Friday study next week. Yes. Yes, thank you. This week there is still a Friday study. So be there. Okay, Philippians chapter 2. I'm going to be reading the first eight verses. Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself." Let each of you not only look out for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. And became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Pray with me if you would. Father, we come to you tonight, Lord. Lord, we, we need you, Father. Father, we need you to speak tonight. We need you to teach us tonight. Father, we need you just to come into our lives, Lord, and, and transform us and make us new. And, and Lord, just to, to renew our minds, Father. God, I, I need you tonight, Lord. Father, I pray that you would be speaking speaking your words tonight, Lord. I could, I could speak all of my words. I could be the most educated and speak the most educated of words, Father. But compared to yours, they're nothing. And Father, your words are what created this earth, Lord. You spoke and the whole universe was created. You spoke life into existence. And Father, we need you here to speak life into us tonight. So Father, please fill me with your Holy Spirit, Lord, that I would speak the things, Lord, that, that I couldn't even think up myself, Lord, but that only you can speak. Only the life that only you can speak, God. So Father, I pray that you would pre- prepare each of our hearts, mine included, to receive what you have to teach us, Lord, what you have here in front of us, Lord, this, this lesson that we can't do in and of ourselves. So, Father, again, we cry out to you, Lord, to help us 
Lord, to receive this and to apply it to our lives. Lord, that we would come out of this study, Lord, loving you more, more in love with you, Lord, and and just just full of your joy and experiencing your presence. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so I went on a journey to go through scripture and I did a little study on my own and wanted to see what it looked like to to really be able to uh, love the body of Christ and and see what that looked like. So that's where we're going to wind up tonight, hopefully. And um but we're going to start here in, in Philippians 2:1. And it starts off by saying therefore if there's any consolation in Christ if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy. And Paul starts off this chapter by asking the Philippians, Hey guys, this stuff that you believe, this stuff that, that you claim that you've experienced that's happening to you, is it real? Is this really something real? If Jesus has really changed your life, if you've really experienced this, the intimate affection and the mercy of this God that you claim, then, then what? What does that look like? How is that going to come out in your life? Because if, if you're claiming that all of these things have happened to you, that you're a new creation in Christ, it's, something's, something's going to be different, right? You guys are going to look different. And... Um, Our lives should be changed. So we go on to the, ne- the, next, um, the next verse. So, we, you know, if, if this is so, if this has happened, then he says in verse 2, Fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. And so, first of all, if Christ has affected each and every one of us, if he has come into my life and everyone here who claims Christ as their own, if Christ is if Christ is in you, then we should be of the same mind, right? If I have Christ, then the mind of Christ should be in me. Jeffrey has Christ, the mind of Christ is in him. Trista has Christ, the mind of Christ is in her. We all have the same mind. We we should all be of one accord having the same love, as this verse says. And what that looks like is a whole body that is unified, that, that isn't thinking of themselves first, that is putting each of us on an equal level. And um, the, uh, the word for um, being of one accord, I looked it up just to, to kind of get a better idea of what that meant. And it meant um, being united in spirit or like harmonious. It's like being on the same level in our spirit. So we're on the same level in our mind, in our spirit, and with our love. Okay, so that's, that's one way that, that, um, that having Christ in our lives is, is supposed to affect us. We're all supposed to be like-minded. And we see, that, we see a lot in the letters that Paul wrote that was something huge that he addressed. And I think pretty much every letter that he wrote, um, 
something about be, be of the same mind, be of the same spirit, um, stop fighting, stop bickering. And that's pretty much just, uh, just our human nature, isn't it? We always, um, we always have something to bicker about when, we, uh, when we're walking in the flesh. So, um, yeah, and I know that just, that's a challenge for me. It's like, I want to be in the spirit. I don't want to be the one that he's writing that, those verses to. Um, but moving on, we go to verses 3 and 4. And we find out what this mind is. We find out um, what, how we're all supposed to be alike. And he says, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind. Let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out, not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. And um, yeah, that's... that's it's kind of one of those moments where it's like, bam, it hits you. And it's like, oh, yeah, that's easier read than said and easier said than done. Um, so nothing that I do, pretty much is what this verse is saying, nothing that I do should be done to glorify myself. We are to be lowly in mind, having a humble or modest opinion of ourselves. And then we are to consider or to deem or think of, each, of others better or above or superior than ourselves. Wow. Um, this is pretty much a cry for us to be selfless, to put you before me, others first. Um, yeah, I know that's definitely quite, quite impossible for me to do myself living in the flesh um, without the love of Christ in me without experience these things that we read in verse 1 consolation in Christ comfort of love fellowship of the spirit affection and mercy that we've received that's impossible and we see that in the world around us you know there's it's get your own it's it's look out for yourself no one else is going to be looking out for you and we get bombarded with this everywhere that we go. And that's, that's how we grow up. That's the sin nature that we are born with. And Paul is saying here, this is how we're supposed to be different. People are going to look at us and see that we're not looking out for ourselves. It's not all about me. How do I get mine, protect myself? But as the verse says here, we're esteeming others better than ourselves. And that's totally different than the world around us. And that's, yeah, that's something I'm, I'm challenged with. It's like, you know, sometimes I can do that. You know, I wake up in the morning and I read this verse or one of the many other verses in the Bible that, that, um, that shows us to be like Christ like this and start out for like an hour or two. And, you know, I'm trying to, think of others first and I put others first and then slowly by slowly as the day goes on it's it's back to me and yeah I mean it's it's a struggle so yeah definitely um we're all we're all in this together aren't we okay so I was thinking about it like okay so someone important came over to your house and you only had one biscuit left to serve with the tea all right this is somebody important you're going to offer them the biscuit. You're not going to sit there and eat the biscuit in front of them because, you know, and 
the queen or whoever comes over to your house, you're going to give them that biscuit. And what Paul is calling us for us to do here is that I'm supposed to look at you guys, my brothers and sisters in Christ, and I'm supposed to be putting you, I'm supposed to look at you as that important person. So when Clive comes over to my house and I got one biscuit left, I'm supposed to look at him as that most important person and offer him that biscuit. Why? Why is Clive so important? Because Christ died for Clive. Jesus bled on the cross for Clive. And Jesus sees him as that important. And if Christ is in me, then I should see Clive as that important. All right. So we've seen what our response should be to the love that Christ has has showed to us. But now Paul gives us an example of Jesus living it out. And I love that. How Christ doesn't just ask us to do stuff and then not have done it himself and not show us how to do it. He, he leads by example. And that's, um, I've always found, you know, whether it's coaches or bosses or anyone in leadership above me, if they lead by example, it's a whole lot easier to follow. And because you can see how they do it and you can see that they're willing to to come down to your level and show you how to do it. So, um, we're in verse 5. It says, Let this mind be in you. This is the mind that we're supposed to be like-minded in. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. Okay. So, Jesus was 100% entitled and deserving to make the claim that he was equal with God. So, if I came up to you, and Shantae, I told you that I was um, equal in power to the President of the United States of America, you would know I'm full of baloney. Yeah. Um, I can't declare the U.S. at war with another country. I don't have that kind of power. I'm not the same standing. But Jesus, he was at the same standing as God. Okay, so then verse 7 says, But he made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. So Jesus became a servant. He deserved all the titles, all the acknowledgement, all the praise and honor and glory of God. But he left all of that behind to become a servant. Now Mark ten forty five says, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. And this is where Jesus is leading by example, if you remember. And this is the mind that we're supposed to have in ourselves, as Paul just wrote in verse 5. And then moving on to our last verse that we have in this text. It says, In being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. 
Okay, so he submitted himself to the will of God, regardless of the cost. So when it came down to it, when he knew what he was supposed to do and go and die and bleed on the cross for our sins, he submitted himself and he went and did it. Okay, so that's, that's kind of the base text that we're working off of. Okay, and I read these verses and I see that as a new creation in Christ, I'm supposed to be acting more like Jesus, right? Okay, and I should be submitting to God and to his commandments. Just as Jesus did, he submitted to God and followed his, his commandments even to the cross. Um, John fifteen twelve through 14 says, This is my commandment, this is Jesus speaking, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. And then a couple of verses later, uh, John fifteen seventeen says, These things I command you, that you love one another. And in 1 John 5, 2, and 3, By this we know that we love the children of God, that we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. And you remember what, um, a couple times I repeated, what, he, what Jesus commanded us in the, in the uh, passages from John. That we love one another. Exactly. He states it a couple times. He says, love one another. This is my commandment, that you love one another. So, if we're supposed to have the same mind as Christ, if we're supposed to be following his example, we're supposed to be acting like we're changed, giving proof through our living out our life that we're changed by Jesus Christ being inside of us, we should be submitting to God Submitting to, submitting to his commandments. And he commands us here that we are to love one another. And then, um, in the first John passage that I wrote, or wrote, I didn't write it. <laughs> in the first John, chapter 5, verses 2 and 3, please look it up sometime so you know I did not write it. <laughs> it says, by this we know that we love the children of God, that we, keep, that we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. So the love of God is shown when we love the children of God. It says we're, we're to love the children of God, and this is the love of God. So that's, I, I kept reading that over and over, and to love God, we are to show the children of God love. We're to love one another. That's you guys. That's all of you. So for me to love God, he commands me to love you guys. Okay, we're getting a little bit closer here. But how do we serve God? Because Jesus was serving God. He came in the form of a bondservant in the likeness of men. How do we serve God in this example? Because we are to be like-minded with Christ. Um, I was reading this passage, and I've read it a lot of times. 
And just recently, somebody pointed out something to me, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read it to you guys. You're probably familiar with it, um, but it's from Matthew 25, verses 31 through 40. Why don't you guys actually flip there, since I didn't write it. Matthew 25, verse 31. And we're, we're looking in here how to serve God, how to be a servant. 25 verse 31 says, When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all, his, and all the holy angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate one from another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And he will set the sheep at his right hand, but the goats on his left. The king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in, or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these my brethren, you did it to me. And I, I've read this a lot of times. And just recently, somebody pointed out to me two words in there. It says in verse 40, Inasmuch as you did it to one of these, or one of these, the least of my brethren, least my brethren, you did it to me. And I realized as this person was telling me and showing this to me, that if we are to be serving God and we are doing, we're, we do this by um, feeding those who are hungry of our brethren and those who are thirsty and giving them a drink, and the strangers taking them in, clothing them naked, visiting the sick and those in prison of our brethren. That's of us. That's those who are in Christ. And I realize that when we, we serve the brethren, we are serving Jesus. That's what, that's what he's saying here. That's what, I, that's what I'm seeing. And it's like we serve God when we serve his children. And how does this work? I mean... How can me serving you guys really serve Christ? And First um, John four fifteen says, "Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him, and he in God." So if God truly ab- abides inside His believers, as First John four fifteen says, then God's inside of you. 
And by me serving you, I'm serving God. And then, so I was, I was just thinking over this today. My, my head was kind of spinning. And I realized, it goes back to that, um, to that verse, um, Philippians 2.2, where we're supposed to be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. And God's inside of each one of us who have accepted Jesus Christ. It says there, whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God's inside of each one of us. And God is the one who is giving me the desire to serve you because God is love. But also, it's because God's inside of you that I have the desire to serve you because I want to serve God. And it just... I don't. I, I was thinking on that for hours today. I just couldn't wrap my head around it. But it's simply the fact that God is inside of us. And like I said um, at the beginning, we're going to stick out. Now, if God isn't in us, we can't do this naturally. If God isn't inside of you, I won't want to serve you in the same way. And so it all starts with having God inside of us. It all starts with having that love inside of us that we first started at in verse 1. So that's how God comes inside of us and changes us. That's, that's what Paul was challenging the Philippians with. If, if this is real in your life, if this is something that has actually changed you, you will be wanting to serve the the brethren, you will be wanting to serve God, and God says to do that by serving the brethren. And yeah, um, it's just uh, something that God has really been been putting on my heart lately, and and trying to show me that um, that I, I don't always serve the brethren. I don't always look out for the interest of others, and. Um, yeah, I just, I wanted to, um, I have a couple more passages here that um, I just wanted to read, and just kind of um, lays out a little bit about uh, the length that we are to go for our brothers and sisters, and um, this one here really hit me a couple days ago, First John three fourteen through 18, um, it says that We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He who does not love the brother, his brother, abides in death. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this we know love, because he laid down his life for us, and we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And that just really challenged me. Um, You know, the, 
the part there where it's well, I mean, every, I think every part of that passage did. Um, but it says, started off with, we know we've passed from death into life. We know that we have this life because we love the brethren. And once again, it goes back to God is dwelling in us and he gives us this love for the brethren. And we see when we do do those selfless acts, when we do act out of kindness and we look back and say, I don't even know why I did that. That was one of the nicest things I've done and I had no intention of ever doing that. And we see that life that Christ has given us inside of us. And we're like, whoa, there's that proof. There's that thing that we were looking for. There's that action that we were looking for from um, what has taken place inside of us. You know, for every action, there should be a reaction. And... Christ started by acting in our lives, by, by changing us, and we should be reacting to that. And we see, oh, okay, we've, we've passed from death into life because we have this love for the brethren. And then just the end of it where it says, whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? And it's saying, if I see somebody, one of my brothers struggling and I shut up my heart from him, that's me not loving my brother who has God abiding in him, and that's me not loving God. He says, how does the love of God abide in him? Um, John's questioning their, even their salvation. He's like, you don't even, you're not even loving. And then the challenge at the end of that verse, it's like, let's, let's not... Let's not fake this, guys. Let's not pretend. Let's not just speak it. Let's not... Me. Me, let's not just read this up here. I don't want to just read this and, and tell you guys, hey, guys, love each other. Okay, go do it. And not do it myself. It says, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And actually living it out. Actually, what would this look like if, if we all did this? Like, seriously, what would this look like? We would, we would be the purple flaming monkey. I mean, people would look at us and, what's up with those Christians? Something's different about them. But is that going to repel people away from us? Is that going to push people away? I don't think so. People, people are looking for this kind of thing. People are looking for something real and not fake. Where, yeah, where we don't just speak it, but where we actually do it. And, yeah, that's, that's a big challenge. That's, that's stepping up and actually allowing God to work through us. Um, one of the verses, I don't have it on here, but um, one of the verses that I love, uh, I'm actually going to look it up because I don't want you to think I'm making it up. I actually want you to uh, be able to... <coughs> know exactly what this verse is. But it's going to be Philippians chapter 2 and it's verse um, 12. Alright? Wait a second here. Sorry, 13. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. 
So how do we love, not in word or tongue, but in deed and in truth, when it's completely against our natural ability to do so? When it, and even when, when we have God inside of us, and we should be loving each other, as is described here, we should be looking out for each other's interests before our own. We should be holding each other in esteem as having, as being in a place of higher authority, higher, um, higher level than us, than myself. How do I do this? Because I can do it sometimes. I can, you know, I'll be, like I said before, I'm in God's word and he, he challenges me to do this. I'm like, all right, I'm doing good. And then I fall and I'm like, oh, forget you. I'm looking out for me. And just being honest, um, we're all human, but it says here, for it is God who works in you both to will, that's to have the desire, and to do it. And this verse right here is the verse that should bring us to our knees and say, God, I need you to give me the desire to want to love our brothers, to want to love you guys. And then I need you to actually do it through me and show me how to do it. And that's, um, yeah, that's, that's the verse that brings encouragement to me in those times when, when I don't, uh, when I'm looking out for myself. And I'm just like, God, I need you to give me this desire because I know it's your desire. I know it should be my desire, but right now, honestly, it's not. So please, Lord, come inside of me and make it my desire, and then do it through me. Um, so I just, I wanted to leave you guys with that challenge. Um, it's what God's been challenging me with, so um, he, uh, he had me bring it to you tonight and challenge you guys with it. You know, to just, our life should be changed from having Jesus Christ in our lives we should be submitting to God and to his commandments. And the love of God is shown when we love the children of God. And when we serve God, we're serving his children. But what if you don't know God? What if, what if your life hasn't been changed? What if Jesus isn't a part of your life? The Bible says that we have all sinned. Every single one of us. Sometimes I think especially me. And we all fall short of the glory of God. But the Bible also says that God sent Jesus into the world. Like we read tonight, he was equal, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. But he came in the form of a servant. And he died on the cross for our sins. He lived a perfectly innocent life. And then he died on the cross for your sins, for my sins. So that I wouldn't have to die for my sins. So that I wouldn't have to be punished for the wrong that I've done. But Jesus took it all on his back, on, on the cross. He died for my sins, for your sins. And the Bible says that if we confess Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, and we believe in our hearts, that he died on the cross for our sins, that he will forgive our sins, and that he will make us his children, and that he'll put his love inside of us.
and then you can experience this love. You can experience this change in your life that I've been talking about tonight. And when Christ does that in you, it's, it's an amazing thing. He really, the Bible um, promises to, that we become a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And all that guilt and all that shame and everything that we had in our life prior, it all dies at the cross. And we, and we have brand new life and we have joy. And we have peace with God. I want, if you could pray with me now. Let's go to our Father because that's who we need. Father, I thank you, Lord, that you promise in your word, Lord, to give us your desires. And Lord, then to accomplish those things in our life. Father, I thank you that from the beginning, that you never counted on us to do it on our own. Father, we're born with the nature of, I do it. Even as a little kid, Lord, say, no, I do it. I don't want to do it. But God, we can't do it. And Lord, we, we can't live a sinless life. Lord, we, on our own, Lord, we can't please you. We can't serve you the way we should. We can't love each other the way that we should, Lord. Father, we just come to you now, Lord, and ask you to fill us with your spirit, Lord. Lord, give us these desires and then let us just watch you completely change our attitudes towards each other and and change the way we look at each other, the way we treat each other, and Lord, the way we think of each other. Father, I just pray, Lord, that you would challenge us. Lord, not to just talk about these things, not to just study these things, and not to just contemplate but Father, we would truly and sincerely want you to do these things in us, Lord, and allow you to do these things in us and, and to live out this, this Bible, Lord, that we, that we state that we believe in. And Father, just give us the courage, give us the backbone, Lord, to actually live it out. And Father, you, you say that your commandments aren't burdensome. And Lord, that's because you... <laughs> You desire to do all the work in us, Lord. You just want a willing vessel. So, Father, I pray that you would make each one of us that. Lord, if there's anybody here that doesn't know you, Lord, anybody here that doesn't have you in their lives, Lord, to come into their lives and completely change them, Lord, I pray, Lord, that tonight you would be convicting them of of sin in their life and of, of the place that they're at, Lord, and how they're not at peace with you. And if that's you tonight, then, like I said before, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, He promises to forgive you of your sin and come into your life and make you a new creation. So I'm going to pray a prayer, and you can pray along with me if you want to accept Jesus tonight and the payment that He paid.
Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for my sin. Father, I know now, Lord, that I couldn't do it on my own. I couldn't live a perfect life. And I thank you that you sent Jesus to live that life for me. And thank you for putting my punishment upon him. Lord, I confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And Lord, I ask you to make him my Savior and my Lord now. I thank you for the new life that you offer me, Lord. And I pray that Jesus, you would come into my life and completely change me and make me a new creation. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.